Hello everyone, uh, welcome to OuijaCast. Uh, this is episode 9 and we're now on uh, lockdown in the UK, which mm. is a hell of a lot of fun now. Uh, this week uh, we've, we're back to the, the beautiful um, isles of, of, not Scotland, but we're in Scotland still, uh, of the UK. Um, our guest this week is Yeki. If you want to introduce yourself, Mr. Yeki, if you want to go by your name or, or just your Twitter handle, I don't want to kind of fuck your upset up straight away. Yeah, no, that's fine. I've got no no secrets. Um, hey, I'm Phil. I go much more known online by Yeki. Um, I do various stuff. I tweet a load of shit. I occasionally blog stuff. Um, hopefully you've seen me around. That's that's about it, really. That's me. Nice. Very, very exciting. And uh, yeah, uh, so I guess... Um, going back to when I was kind of roughly starting out trying to look for roles mm. and what opportunities kind of might be available to me um, I think you're pretty much the first person that kind of reached out to say uh, that uh, PTP do a uh, kind of like a uh, kind of junior training position uh, kind of academy is it? Uh, Pentest Partners right. yes. uh, Yeah. So, so it, tell us about that Yeah so it's um it's an academy. The idea is was to take enthusiastic people without much industry experience, so people who really want to learn, and take them in, teach them kind of how to do the pen testing side of stuff. Also, the consultancy side, so writing the reports, dealing with the clients, all of kind of all of that stuff as mm-hmm. well, um, without needing the experience. So, getting those people in through the door early, teaching them in the PTP ways um, to make decent really good consultants mm-hmm. um if i do remember rightly though you did turn me down i did i did um so big please big please yeah, yeah. So, still take it slightly personally i never really got a reason off you so now's a good a time as, as good any a time as any so um i think at that point i was because uh, it was quite early on so uh, i didn't have i wasn't 100 percent sure if i was wanting to travel i guess was the big one i've stayed in glasgow my entire life so that, that it was part of a consideration uh but and also happenstance was uh i ended up being offered a job in glasgow it was ideal and it was a bit more as a, a really entry level uh as well which was perfect for me so uh so yeah it was it was something i sat and pondered <laughs> quite heavily and uh, i think it's a great opportunity for a lot of people to like you say kind of get that foot in the door was did you do the program yourself is that is that how you started it or yeah, so I did. So I, my background is I started at PTP two years ago. Um, I started in IT, uh, so joined their IT team with the aim of teaching me some IT because I had no background in any of this before that. Um, so teach, teach me some IT, get to know all that kind of blue team side of stuff. Then migrate over to do the pen testing side of things and become a consultant. Um, so I was doing IT for about 16, 17 months. And then this academy started and they invited me to join and be one of the first intake, as it were, for that. So I finished that uh, about a month and a bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so now fully qualified, mostly qualified, uh, full pen tester, which is very exciting. So what route for a certification have you taken? Was it OSCP that I see you had passed? Yeah, so I did OSCP in November, which is a great course. Um They've now updated it because my one gripe with it was it was horrendously out of date and a lot of the labs were really old boxes and stuff that you just wouldn't see on an actual engagement. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but they've updated it all now and they've got a new Active Directory and kind of a bit more of Windows stuff, which is really good. Um, so I'm quite jealous that they've done that after I've completed it. <laughs> but uh, I did that. I've also done my Crest uh, CPSA, which is the multiple choice one, which hopefully I did have my CRT booked in, but due to lockdown, they've cancelled all the exams for the moment. Oh, that is so I'll... annoying. <laughs> Yeah, must but be a lot I can in that possession. Um, I'm lucky to have got my kind of exam out of the way. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that that's interesting. OSCP is pretty much going to be my next kind of step. So I think I said to you before we kind of uh, when we were talking about doing the podcast that I'm kind of seeing you doing steps that I'm basically hoping to see myself over the next six months. So it's been very interesting following you on Twitter and I suggest that other people do so as well. So no, it's awesome to hear that uh, and watch your career just basically kind of, yeah, kick off. What? Yeah, it's uh, it's all gone surprisingly well so far. So I'm just kind of waiting for that, the other foot to drop as it were and see what happens. But so far, all, all good. I mean, my other foot hasn't dropped yet. I've been doing this for the last couple of years. So you'll be fine. <laughs> Thanks. Finger, well, yeah, hope so. Um, luckily, I do have great people to bounce ideas off and go, oh, what the fuck even is this? And yeah. Andy has to put up with me ringing him maybe on like three or four times a day on average. So sorry about that, pal. That's all right. It's, I spend my life on, on phone calls helping people. I spent a good nine hours today working on payload development, which was a lot of fun. So I've we'll speak about a, that off, off air. been doing a lot of tech support from my family, setting up... Uh, remote video software and i'm sure there's a lot of companies and stuff doing that as well uh, i know was it zoom's servers are taking a bit of a pounding as you'd maybe expect uh with suddenly this influx of people working from home yeah yeah, nope, yeah nope. on the flip side though their stock price is way up so mm, I bet. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah i've done two family zoom calls which have actually gone really well i'd really recommend it it's easy you get 40 minutes free um for up to 100 people in case you've got way more friends than I do. Fucking hell. Imagine the chaos on that channel. Like, I've been on Discord channels like 20 max, maybe. <laughs> I cannot Yeah, the, it's got a decent gallery viewer, which worked great for four of us, but I don't think it will quite have the same effect for 100 people. Yeah. Well, I was I was on a call on Sunday night or Monday morning. It was like 4 a.m. or something on Monday morning because it was uh, my mates in America and there was 29 people on the call and it's fucking ridiculous but also amazing to see so many people in one place that you've not seen for like half the year i should clarify these are people that i go to defcon with and work defcon with so well that's the thing yeah. like you're saying about uh remote work and obviously i mean just for example where you guys work there's so many so many views that because you work from home like you probably won't actually get to interact see each other so much so like yeah uh, it's interesting seeing the world catch up with this technology that's been about for a while but having to integrate it is sometimes like the sole social interaction uh, that we'll all have the next yeah. while yeah i've been enjoying it i think it's quite good uh, i don't have a webcam though so i'm just uh, a mysterious black box to everybody sorry i've i've recently bought a webcam for for doing all this streaming business and it's actually fucking ridiculous the, the last time i remember webcams they were like fucking one one by one pixel and it was mostly for the cybers what cyber used to mean not not what it means now <laughs> so so having a webcam mounted to the top of my monitor just makes me feel dirty all the time and i, I mean i need to make sure it's unplugged sometimes because i'm like getting changed for work in the morning and it's just uh -huh. not yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Good choice of words. Someone will be catfishing yeah. you on OnlyFans. Just oh shit. <laughs> no, nobody can find my OnlyFans. I'm not telling anyone that. <laughs> well, it's been leaked. I think so. uh... nowadays though, it's just uh, just chatting on Twitch, isn't it? That covers most of the things you need. <laughs> well, no, nobody seen me naked on Twitch, so that's fine. Yet, <laughs> yet. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Rip. Yep. I yep. don't want to tip or subscribe though, just for that privilege. No, no, I'll be passing on that. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, actually, just Andy, you were mentioning that. I suppose you might as well plug your video tomorrow oh, yeah. your live stream uh, if i manage to get this out tonight people might hear about it oh that's exciting uh yeah so uh, even if even if it goes out afterwards you can watch it on catch up um i'm starting a streaming series from tomorrow which is going to be called paving the way to da uh, da being domain admin uh where i look at several techniques um that are found in environments a lot um starting from just the basic set of credentials um, and then looking at privilege escalating to domain admin, the kind of goal around the, the stream is to look at creating the issue to start with, look at how it's introduced into an environment, then actually exploit the issue, and then finally uh, look at kind of um, like defending against it and then fixing it within an environment. I'm kinda, originally, I was going to do four sections, but I think I'll probably roll the defense and fix into one because some of the issues will be easier to fix than they will be to defend against and vice versa. So. Oh, speaking yeah, of defence, uh, Phil, you have kind of told us before the episode that you're wanting to give a bit of praise and a bit of time to blue teaming and how utterly brutal it sounds. <laughs> most of yeah, the time. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Because kind of you've you've generally had red teamers or pen testers come on here, and which is great, but the the blue teamers are the real unsung heroes the amount of shit that they must have to put up with. And we're talking pre this happening. The The great thing about pen testing is you find that one thing makes you feel pretty good. You go, oh, this web app I found, still cross-site scripting, that's great. Um, whatever it is, the thing with the blue team is they've got to defend everything all of the time. And you'll be halfway through setting up, say they want a new VoIP system or whatever, setting that up, the boss calls his wireless printer's not working, you have to go and deal with that, then HR call their, they can't access their share or whatever that is. And by the time you've come back to the original task, there is no way you can remember where you got to. Did you change that default password? Don't know, it's working. I'm tempted to just leave it, come back to it. I'll check it later. Mm. But that mentality is what you kind of have to have because of the amount of directions you get pulled in. Yep. But you can you never get back to that that later never never kind of appears mm. overstretched so, absolutely and obviously i'm here i'm talking kind of small companies that have got two or three or four people doing this who kind of do all the roles i'm not talking multinationals where you've got a whole team for yep. server builds a whole team for this a whole team for frontline support I'm talking the smaller guys who just must work constantly wake up in the morning how many tickets have come in because someone's an idiot and didn't read the documentation all of that stuff it's and now especially with we're all saying this is great everyone's moving forward working from home mm. which is great and they absolutely are but what's the infrastructure that's gone into that how difficult has that been how many hours have people had to spend to get that working and i bet you the gratitude is absolutely minimal 
Yeah. I bet nobody has emailed the IT team and gone, do you know what? We can now work from home, which is great. That's the government guidance. Thank you for facilitating that and making sure that works. Yep. And I think that feedback is never there as well. So these guys and girls slave away for no praise, no recognition yeah. from the wider user base. It's a really hard job. I'm always really impressed when people are kind of career blue teamers, as it were. Yeah, no, absolutely. Working from home. So that's uh, that's me working from home now. And I've been doing so since uh, last Tuesday. Um, and thankfully, I've got a good setup here. Like, it's secure. I've tested that. Like, uh, and I know enough to check that for myself. And, and within the company we're in as well, we're obviously... Like we're all pretty techy, so it's not a problem for us. But there must be so many companies out here, uh, out there just now that have just started working from home as a process. It might not be in part of their risk assessment taken seriously. I, they might not have the equipment. Are they asking staff to use their own devices potentially? And are those devices supported? Like, uh, and have they even been looked at by an IT team? And I think, the, like you were saying, the problem is if an IT team's already at kind of full capacity, like if that cup is already full and then you start adding more into it as in setting up loads of new devices and making sure they're secure, like you mentioned about the password, then, you know, if you keep for pouring like, into that, then it's going to just immediately overfill. And I'd imagine there's a lot of people out there doing tough jobs like, and, yeah, not really getting the praise. Not, not going to lie, I thought you said porn there. I thought <laughs> you said like, I thought you did as well. I, I was I was very very confused where that sentence was going. But, <laughs> but yeah, I agreed. I mean, it, kind of going back to the, the working from home point, a lot of jobs that were well, it, th- this this whole pandemic will change the way that the world does work. I think uh, in terms of remote working, but there are so many jobs that cannot be done from home that are difficult to do from home, um, and th- the support in place is actually very like well. It's very obscure. So, f- taking kind of off topic from security for a second, but the techno the technological support for some jobs is just not there. Like my parents are both musicians, and you you'd think being a musician you'd be able to do it from home, no problem. But teaching lessons remotely with music is fucking difficult when bet. you don't have a microphone and you don't have anything set up properly, and you've only got an iPad to do it. And where the security is fine, like you've, they've got people like myself and other uh, others, some people just don't have that. So they're using mm. obscure web apps to record things that are going out. And it's not just from a privacy perspective, but it's also from a like um, almost like DRM perspective. If you if you if you own the rights to your music and you're publishing it on uh, like an open Zoom call, people can join and, and listen, and that's that's problematic, I suppose. Don't know where it was going with that sentence, but yeah. yeah. No, that's um, like, uh, what so, that has been held. And, well, yeah, yeah. What are you going to yeah. say, Phil? Yeah, one of the things, my, so my wife's a teacher, um, just for my ultimate OPSEC here, guys. Um, <laughs> but she's, she, as all teachers have, are now uh, teaching remotely. So, and the way that my understanding that a lot of the schools are doing this is Microsoft Teams, which is great. So the kids can get Teams on any device on their iPad or whatever which is brilliant, but they all need a school email address to log in. Now, me and you, Andy, we know that quite often, or almost all the time, Teams will be SSO. Yep. So Single sign-on for those who are not in the know. Yeah, so you log into there. Where else have they now got access to? Have you segregated SharePoint or OneDrive away from, so the teacher's 
appraisals, for example, or the kids' reports, are they now able to access those? Well, that's that's actually a valid point. So, um, all, all all the universities, well, everything's on lockdown in the UK for three weeks as of last night. But the universities, for example, had have had um, O365 accounts for a while. But what I discovered recently is my I still access my O365 account because all postgrads have access for I think it's five years or whatever. Um, I don't know why I've got access for longer, but what I found is I've got access to the corporate Azure environment for the university, which I shouldn't have access to with a standard account. And that's that's a university, so schools will be even worse because there's there's even more issues there. You've got child protection, you've got all sorts of scary things. Yeah. And segregation of that is really important, not just from an examination perspective, but just from a kind of user safety perspective. And it's often a, a point that certainly us as pen testers, we, we find, but we don't kind of flag as, as much of a risk as, I don't know, financial transactions, but it is, it is equally as, as bad. Yeah, and you've got to think in the threat landscape, what's your greatest threat for most regular people and small businesses? Yeah, well... It's a bored teenager who lives two doors up who's cracking your Wi-Fi password. Now you've got thousands of bored teenagers on lockdown with access to... 0365 environments yep not looking forward to that and they won't know what cma is and they won't know how to responsibly disclose things it's going to be an interesting time for law enforcement to be fair like um i i wouldn't be surprised if the cases of cma um at uh like spike quite quite rapidly and i think we will see not not just because of lack of employees and lack of blue teams, but I think we will see more and more companies going offline based on the fact there are bored teenagers at home. And it's not just teenagers, there are bored people at home who are either otherwise employed and now unemployed, and there are other people who have transferable skills that they are exploring for the first time, and therefore maybe not for good, sometimes for evil. And what would both your guys' advice be to uh, people working from home uh, should be their priority as far as like trying to make sure that you know they are secure. Like I mean, we were talking about for one, it's obviously phishing emails. Is it ninety percent of kind of most cyber attacks start with a a, a phishing uh, campaign? Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd say I'd say not so much attacks, more from breaches. Perspective. Yeah. So um, like eighty percent of them will be phishes. The other twenty percent will be exposed infrastructure. Yeah. Um, people posting stuff on GitHub paste bin people people being fucking stupid um but it happens it's just down to miseducation like i've been on red teams before where red teams and pen tests for that matter where companies developers have accidentally posted aws keys um on github and they've accidentally shared database credentials on paste bin and uh while while these posts can be deleted uh things like uh, the wayback machine exist and as a result uh just because something's been posted on GitHub then deleted, it should be um, recycled, but uh, not recycled, uh, like reissued. But often companies don't do that; they just delete it and then hope for the best. Mm. So, on a, a kind of fairly recent engagement, we found credentials um, on GitHub that had been previously deleted, and uh, we were able to use them to access a production database. So, it's uh, oh, shit. like that. Yeah, and that was internet facing as well. So it was internet facing. Um, the credentials were deleted, but you could find them um, in uh, Google Cache and then leverage them to log in. So interesting. Yeah. But the the protection against that is down to user education and also uh, doing a like perimeter hardening. 
so looking at what services you're actually exposing and looking at implementing things like two-factor authentication. We've talked about it time and time again on the podcast, various episodes, but 2FA um, is certainly one, probably not the only solution, but a very positive solution and educating your users on the importance of privacy online and oversharing, especially now that there are people working from home. Um, you've probably seen countless videos on WhatsApp and, and Twitter of people on Zoom calls who don't know their video cameras on or they forget their video cameras on and they're doing questionable things is probably the, the best way to phrase it. Not to mention how many people just now, as usual, there's a bit of a trend that seems to be showing your kind of workstation in your house, um, yep. which is quite enlightening for a few reasons I've noticed that. I found myself going to do it a few times uh, and then being like, mm, maybe not, because if I take a photo uh, of my workstation, I also get the back window and it shows exactly where my house is and it also shows a rather nice picture of how valuable some of the stuff I own is. Uh, so, yeah, mm. uh, a lot of people not being too careful with that. Like, uh, Maybe it's the OSINT and me, I don't know. <laughs> What about phishing? So, so yeah, we were talking about this just before we started the call. Um, whether or not, like, just in general terms, talking about using COVID-19 as kind of pretext for phishing campaigns. Um, so, Andy, do you want to give us your take on that? And then uh, Phil will get yours as well. So using, what, using the pretext of COVID-19? Yeah, uh, in a phishing oh. campaign and kind of what you feel about it and the kind of moral quandary of is is it the right thing to do? Uh, well, I mean, so from a threat actor perspective, uh, there are active threat actors using um, COVID-19. Yep. Uh, APT36, I think it is, have got active campaigns at the moment. Uh, APT being Advanced Persistent Threat and the pretense around it is uh, getting people to download uh, documents and run them. The beauty of things like this, although they are dark and really, although they are dark and morally questionable, um, topical phishing always works. I mean, the fact that we're in a global pandemic means that people are more likely to click on something that puts them into a kind of a period of fear. And phishing preys on that. Phishing preys on um, people being fearful or um, having a sense of urgency around things. Uh, and the fact that, well, this is a life-threatening condition. Um, sent, and if you receive an email that says, uh, here, here is our new working from home policy for um, co- like coronavirus. You're probably going to click on it. Like if you're not used to working from home, and your IT team might have already sent things around, they're probably already sending things around. It's probably the ideal time for people to be fishing. Uh, but from the moral standpoint, um, as as a legitimate um, kind of white hat, as it were, although my morals are grey at the best of times. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's 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 a case of having confirmation from your clients to do it because the one thing about phishing, which is the difference between the good guys and the bad guys, or the good people and the bad people, like fucking that that jazz. Um, it's it's down to the agreement in place, the authorization in place, and also while you are emulating a threat actor, you need to have or sometimes you need to have some form of moral guidance. I mean, I have told people previously that they are going to lose their jobs if they don't open up my attachment. I've told them they're going to get more money and less money if they don't open up my attachment. But that's just, sometimes that's what a threat actor is going to do. And while there are different morals around that and people will see that as a bad thing, bad guys don't give a shit. They will will target you regardless. They will, I mean, you see all the sextortion stuff. Well, I I saw you through your webcam. Um, Give me one Bitcoin or I'll, I'll show your willy to everyone. Um, nobody wants to see my willy, to be fair. So that's just... 
I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but back to the original point. Um, what my view on it is just a case of authorization is key from the client. Don't don't go sending phishing emails willy nilly. Um, because realistically, uh, you need to have permission to do these things. Otherwise, it's you are walking into a moral minefield. Yeah. What about yourself, Phil? I see. I kind of agree with Andy in part. With it is going to be an effective phishing campaign, and I think people will click on it. And yes, uh, bad actors are definitely using it and are going to use it more and more. I think the risk that I see is employees ignoring valid emails which contain useful information that they actually genuinely need to know for the for and from the business because they've had because they've been caught or whatever by phishing emails or they've just got so much and it's an information overload that they're like oh i don't know if i should believe this or not we know there's a lot of disinformation out there about everything by adding to it how much of an issue are you creating just to get a successful fish um, and again, I, th- I think as long as you've spoken to the client and they've said, yes, absolutely do it. I think I personally would try and steer well away from it and go for anything else. Um, it's, it's a difficult one though. It's mm. success over, over that numbness to information and having people just not pay attention to the things they really need to know. I mean, it's really as effectively a stress test of, I guess, the kind of culture that the company has towards how to handle email and what to do with links and, you know, the kind of checks on there. But, yeah, I mean, it's such heightened, strange times for people. Yeah, like Andy says, I think I 100% agree. People are going to definitely click that. Like, uh, and... Yeah, yes, it's certainly a difficult one, but I think it's an interesting one. I've been pondering it since I saw a well, Twitter I mean, post on it last week. To- topical phishing is always an interesting one because topical phishing, it doesn't just need to be pandemic. It doesn't need to be just negative things. Often it can be quite positive things as well. So previous phishing campaigns that I've done with clients have been like, uh, for example, remote areas uh, in the UK that maybe don't have Amazon Prime. Um, if you spoof an email from Amazon saying, oh, Amazon Prime's coming to your area, uh, click here to sign up now. Um, you if you target your audience enough, you will get quite a high click rate. And phishing campaigns, while they differ in objective, tend to be down to either one, you're looking for percentage of click rate and educating users, or two, you're looking at getting credentials or shell back. Both um, kind of scenarios depend on getting, or uh, they depend on getting at least one click. It's it only takes one click. And back to what Phil said earlier on, well, it's fun being a pen tester and you only need to be lucky once. The blue team on the other side need to fucking protect against those things every single time. And we heard on the last podcast um, with Danny, uh, who is a blue teamer by trade, how difficult that can be in situations because you've got people in different time zones, you've got people who have uh, different experiences and it's even, even more heightened now kind of the, the topic at hand which is working from home people have a different environment they're in they are out of their what they would classify as out of their working comfort zone while they're working from home and they're they comfortable in their home they may be uncomfortable working from home because it's a unfamiliar unfamiliar working environment as it were what would be you both of your advice for uh, individuals and companies that are beginning this work from home process what in fact what was just the general advice you would give to stop people like you getting into their networks um, 
Have you got any advice you give for generally for stopping fishing campaigns? Um, in terms of stopping them entirely, uh, you can do a lot of it down to technology that you have in place. But the thing with uh, these preventive measures is there are always going to be ways to bypass mm. them. Um, so not having all your eggs in one basket would be my my primary um, suggestion. Be it have have a kind of happy medium between te technological prevention measures and also uh, educating your users. Now there is a a fine line between um, fishing, sorry, offensive fishing and legitimate emails. Even within PTP, I experience it frequently, um, and I think Phil will probably probably share the pain that. IT will send out a legitimate email and people email back going, is this phishing? <laughs> Looks like phishing. Sounds like phishing. And uh, so it's a, I suppose it's an uphill struggle from that perspective. Advice-wise, though, um, educating your users to not click on links. Well, it can be difficult if you're sending links entirely. Um, look at possibly verifying who sent you the email. Now, if you're if it's not the most technical uh, person receiving the email, that can be more difficult. But just simply uh, right-clicking on the sender if you're in Outlook and going to view more, it will show you the domain. Uh, so if it's come from um, I don't know Microsoft.com and it's an email about COVID-19, it's probably not legitimate. Um, if it's if it's an email from Pornhub saying, oh, click on this to download our new update, then you probably should be getting that to your work email anyway. If you have subscribed, you've got bigger problems. Um, it's not unheard of, though. I mean, I've, I've seen social engineering campaigns in the past where um, people's credentials, I haven't been involved with them, but I've, I've seen people's credentials in data dumps from um, adult websites, and they have been used in phishing campaigns. So it, it's, it's not unheard of, but basically don't, don't use your work email for things that you would classify as personal. So what about, is, is what what about yourself, Phil? Have you had much experience uh, with kind of blue teaming and having to deal with phishing emails coming in now that you're a different part of your career and you're sending them out? So, yeah, when, we, when I was in the blue team, we implemented kind of an email gateway uh, security system. Um, one of the, I think the greatest things that we did that made a huge difference was adding in at the top of any of every email if it came from an external source just it it automatically appended a line that said this email has originated from an external domain now what that means is if you're expecting an email from it and it has that banner on the top you can question it and that's a really easy thing to implement and for your users to understand because mm -hmm. all legitimate emails especially from like it should come from internal so they won't have that banner on it um, I'm sure there's ways to get around that, but generally, I think it's it's anything that comes in the gateway. So it's quite quite an effective mechanism for not much difficulty. Yeah, big well, payoff. Just just to jump into that, um, there are ways of bypassing that, unfortunately, and uh, but it, it's certainly better than nothing. And the amount of clients we see that don't have it is actually laughable. Um, we, we've we've had phishing campaigns in the past where we've sent in what would be like a Nigerian print scam people click on it because there's no warning that's an external email and if you if you're if your CEO says I'm going to give you a million pounds and you go oh yeah cool I'll click on this link you've got bigger fucking problems you've got retarded staff basically <laughs> what though you can't blame the person yeah always comes down to you've got to re-educate you cannot you can't blame the person where yeah. blame has been put on the one person who clicked on the phishing link Yep. which not only creates a horrible culture, but then it also makes people 
scared to click on anything it, it doesn't foster the kind of the attitude that you want in a company i guess it would also be a case of you want people to be able to admit that they've clicked on a link because it's far yeah. more important that they do that than to be embarrassed by it or if they're ashamed Absolutely. in some regards like you know the the more comfortable people are to come forward to be like i think i've made a mistake you know the quicker you can deal with it maybe before major yeah. incident implementing a, a kind of friendly process for reporting phishing or reporting suspected phishing because uh, we've, we've had clients in the past I mean I, I'm speaking about PTP but like other other companies will be the same uh, where you have users that are almost too vigilant so they are reporting emails that are legitimate as phishing and that's either a sign that they have been phished far too often or they are phished on a frequent basis so if you are a company that are running phishing campaigns Try not to make them every six months. Try and kind of add a bit of jitter to that so that it doesn't come round to March and you're like, oh, is this another one of these phishing campaigns? It should be a case of kind of second guessing when you receive an email rather than being, right, it's, it's that kind of time of year I'm not going to click on any emails. They should be in that kind of frame of mind all year round, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But on the, on the flip side to that, Andy, would, you'd much prefer to have more people coming to you thinking it's a phishing email and it not being... Of course, no one coming to you with when legitimate it is. ones. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that entirely. Um, it's, I mean, this, the baseline of the issue is, is down to keeping users in the know and not penalising them for fucking up. Yes, people fuck up, and you can, you can penalise them in different ways, but not being overly negative to them, encouraging them to come forward and and think about what they're clicking on, and um, just making it a bit more fun like phishing phishing awareness training typically is really fucking boring it's the same as gdpr training and anti-bribery training for anyone who's ever done it yeah. it's just it's an exercise you need to do for 30 minutes once a year nobody really interested in it. it tends to be you do it as a group one person gets all the answers and somebody else goes and does it but if you can incorporate that into something a bit less boring then it becomes it sticks with people and see at the end of the um, day like if you're the person that clicked on it and a major instance happens like the, the person i'd probably yeah. trust not to make the mistake again like, if you've handled it in the correct manner would be the person that made the mistake to begin with like and it's trying to maybe get that kind of yeah just trying to yeah like i say have, have people come forward and be like yeah mistake made like let's deal with it right so well, de- yeah, yeah. De- definitely i mean i've, I've got a, a friend's company actually um he he runs a small uh, plumbing firm so they obviously plumbers they don't make that much money but he got an email apparently from his, his accountants which was a spoofed phishing email saying that their uh, details had changed and uh, his finance uh, the, the guy that handles his finance went all right yeah cool uh, the accountants have updated their details we'll just send that across so uh, they sent a hundred grand to a an illegitimate party um, and my mate was like oh fuck I've just lost a hundred grand the bank had fuck all to do with it and that is that is the real worry but um, six months later a similar email came in and straight away the guy that sent a hundred grand was like uh, Dave like what the fuck not not you but my mate my other mate Dave I've got more than one friend called there's Dave there's many of us what the fuck unbelievable yeah. how popular do you want to be <laughs> I know what the fuck, the accountants have changed their email again, but I don't believe them this time. And it turns out that the accountants had actually changed their email, but he was being more vigilant about things. So sometimes it takes people the one fuck up to go, oh shit. But make, making people less kind of pe- penalised is, is the main thing. I, I suppose I'm repeating myself here. But yeah. I think, yeah, just going yeah. back to what you are saying about, like, it just takes a single click and just, like, it's I've just, does it sometimes feel like, pissing in the wind trying to stop these kind of things happening or is it just a case of 
reducing the amount of risk overall. You've you've got to be vigilant. Yeah. You've got to go for it because the pissing in the wind feeling is an excellent feeling compared to the we've just been <laughs> breached feeling. Yeah, I bet. Which I can imagine is so much so much worse. And just think mm. of the paperwork. It's just going to be hellish. Um, like you don't want that newspaper article that has your company name in it mm. and the word breach next to it. That's it. If that means you've spent five hours a week for the last four years having a little moan about phishing or people clicking on links that's that probably seems like a pretty good deal right about now 100% yeah I completely agree yeah but David to go back to your original question which was about working from home and getting ready to, to work from home I think for people it's it's getting in that mindset it's getting in that I'm at work but being vigilant like luckily so my wife and I are both working at home but we're lucky enough to have separate rooms mm-hmm. so we're not together but there's a lot of people that won't have that. They're going to be in one bedroom flats or studios or they have, they both have to sit around the dining table for whatever reason. And it's trying to be vigilant that the webcam meeting you're having, the background isn't your partner's stats or stocks or whatever else from their company that are on display. That's very true. Yeah. Yep. Kind of locking your laptop, even though it's your partner and you trust them. Just do it out of a habit. Windows key and L, lock that. Make sure there's nothing behind you. Make sure there's nothing on your screen that you don't want other people to see if anything was to happen. It's all those little things that can lead to much bigger things and they can snowball quite quickly. So the another wee thing, I suppose, might be a potential issue. So you've got a lot of people working from home. They're using their home routers. Obviously, that they won't have been verified for setup. And I know... A lot of them tend to, out the box, be okay, uh, but not all of them are. And I, I know, the I think it's uh, BT routers, um, they're, I don't know if it's their home hub, but it might have universal plug-and-play on by default. Um, and it was interesting because we noticed that the NAS was facing the internet and Paul had obviously not owned any ports, so he was very confused and I'm like, it's probably that. So do you think that's going to be a potential issue when you've got, a lot of home CCTV and maybe think like I, I suppose a company would think to maybe upgrade the firmware on their CCTV cameras is someone at someone at home's going to be far less likely I would guess well if you think about how they're going to work from home the the methods are probably going to be they're going to VPN into something yep. which then would protect makes you. that kind of secure tunnel yeah. or more likely now they're going to be using the cloud so I can't I don't think there'll be that many ways in which they're putting enough kit on their home network to expose them massively. Yeah. Um, it all comes down to how they're connecting out, but I I think mostly it'll be either encrypted web traffic or encrypted VPN traffic. You would hope. Just to, check, just to chime in on that point, actually, while the majority of the workforces that are working from home will work for probably bigger companies, and while the VPN route is true, um, the smaller businesses that are working from home may well have static IP addresses and may well have more exposed than it is expected. Because mm. those who are possibly setting up a VPN tunnel for the first time might not have it configured correctly. Exactly. Um, mm. Likewise, the, the if there's if they have a static IP and they've got port forwarding enabled, um, that is that is essentially opening up ports that might not necessarily need to be there in the first place. Uh, pr- probably a prime example is uh, I've got a home lab set up that uh, Phil has access to and, and Dave will have access to soon. Um, 
and I had to enable, because I've got a static IP address, I had to enable a lot of security measures to ensure that my router wasn't exposed to the internet. And most people who aren't technically minded probably won't do that. I mean, I'd, I'd say I'm pretty technical minded and I almost fucked it up the first time. Like I, for, for about two minutes, I had every single port on my um, NAS exposed to the, the World Wide Web. And I was like, this is fucking dangerous. Let's not do this. <laughs> but because I had turned my firewall off to configure something. But what I should have actually done is plugged it into a different LAN, configured it on that, and then exposed it. But yeah, you live and learn. It didn't get popped um, because it was it was up for a short amount of time. But that, it's not, that you not know about. That I know about. <laughs> but it's not to say. But yeah, like you say, not. configuration, and you at least you've got the foresight to think about it, know that, and yet still make a bit of a mistake there. But hopefully there's not too many people that are maybe working from home and then maybe someone's son goes, oh, I want to, you know, fixing that on the xbox and starts doing weird port forwarding right and yeah yep. yeah it's gonna be a strange time for that like, i hope not too many people get stung right. yeah i think for companies as well there's um the ideal would be to do an external scan of your infrastructure mm. but that is not feasible for a lot of people um quite fairly so but i think it's ncsc have got a thing called crm which does that if you put in your your ip addresses I think you have to sign up and things, but you can put in your IP address and it will uh, regularly scan. And if you have additional ports or anything change, it sends you an email to let you know. That's very interesting. That's quite Yeah, cool. no, definitely. Because uh, that would be, yeah, I think the easier these things are for people to and businesses to go do, uh, yeah, the more likely they'll be, yeah, used. Like, no, that, that sounds like a really good program. Yeah, I'll see if I can find the actual link and I'll... Um, <laughs> well, We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. It. <laughs> ah, yes. The said no one ever. <laughs> the mythical show notes. I, d- I didn't know you had show notes. <laughs> we keep saying we do, but we don't. We don't. <laughs> it's became a joke. <laughs> it is the running joke. Yeah, it was like, oh yeah, we just put it in the show notes, and it's like, I, I think somebody asked me recently, I was like, oh yeah, I've not seen the show notes for a while. I was like, oh yeah, the show notes, those things. What what fucking show notes? <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Uh, before we move yeah. on to the kind of second topic. Uh, you were kind of wanting to, to discuss, Phil. Um, is there any more on kind of blue teaming? Uh, any particular things you'd like to talk about in regards to that? Any shout-outs to prominent blue teamers that people should follow and heed advice? Uh, no, I think just do your research. It's really fucking difficult. Just keep at it. <laughs> know that you are... Do you your are, research. It's really fucking difficult. <laughs> you are genuinely appreciated, even if no one tells you. Just keep plugging away. You're at least appreciated by Phil. Uh, 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 I, yeah, I appreciate it. I do as well, right? and I'm sure. Unless I'm trying to pen test you and you're really good <laughs> and I get no findings, because that then makes for a really difficult report to write. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, yeah, so obviously, kind of second topic you were kind of want to uh, touch upon um, was uh, blogging. Um, so you both blog. I've not started yet, uh, something I plan on kind of doing after I've done a bit more studying and maybe start popping boxes, which seems to be quite a lot of people's first foray into it. So um, do you want to tell us a wee bit about your blog? And yeah, we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, am I right to play yeah, of course. Are we of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Excellent. So I write a blog, um, which is blog.yeki.co.uk. And what I've, it's slightly light at the moment for content, but what I did, it's exactly what David said, was... I wrote up all my CTFs, hack the boxes, um, Port Swigger Web Academy, 
uh, all of that kind of stuff just wrote up what I find is if I write stuff I learn it better because I try and explain it to my virtual reader which help which means that I can't just kind of skip over it I can't go oh that just kind of works I've got to go why why does that work how do I explain to someone else what is happening here mm-hmm. um and one thing that I try and do which I noticed a lot of blogs when I was starting and you might find this as well Dave is I try and write about how I failed and how I've gone down dead ends for days on end or how I've got so fucked off with it I've just disconnected from hack the box and not come back to it for like a week um I when I started I looked I watched a lot of like Ipsec I read a lot of OXDF I think it is he does really good blogs um and all of them are step next step next step next step got the user flags next step got got root and you're like shit how the hell did he get from finding one page on a web app to get in the LFI or whatever it was on there I I have no idea how I would make that mental jump until you realize they haven't made that mental jump mm. they've tried 6000 things in the middle that didn't work um and as I'm sure we're going to find out when Andy does his live streaming it's going to take hours Andy I hope you're ready but your streams are going to be long <laughs> Well, you, you saw me struggle with Detection Lab for six hours. Um, I saw you struggle with just, Doom as well, to be fair. I, I, just, I just struggle in general, I think. But no, to, to chime in on that point, actually, um, calling out to one of our previous guests, uh, Neil Lines has got an excellent blog that takes you through step by step, like from from zero to 100, and not like real quick, like proper type, go to this part of the operating system, run this exact command, and it shows you what will work and what doesn't work. And I think it's really important to convey that to, to readers. Uh, I, I am guilty of being like, yeah, I did X, Y, and Z, and boom, I got root. And it's an actual fact. No, I, t- I did X, Y, and Z, and it took me fucking 30 days or whatever. So, I yeah, I, the, the big thing for me was I was in the, in the industry. I was working in IT, and I had that drive, and I had that passion to try and learn it. And I, But if you were even slightly less motivated... It would be so easy to just go, oh, I just don't know how they've done it. It's too fucking difficult. Um, I'm not going to do it. Whereas I try to write, and I don't know if it always comes across, but I always try to, I don't list every dead end that I've been down because it will take ages. But even just like a little subheading that says seven things were tried, it's now four days later because I blog as I go along. So it's like a real time yeah. diary almost. Um it's like five days later, I had an idea. Because sometimes that is how it works, especially with some of the more obscure hat the boxes. Um, but yeah, I just think for anyone who is starting out, anyone who is learning, stick with it. Go, I don't know how they've done this, but just in the back of your mind, go, they've taken days to do this as well, and they're, they're happily writing blogs. Um, you'll get there. Um, I kind of have a bit of a saying that I wrote once and I now sort of live by which is knowing stuff is cool but learning just takes longer yep 100% agree with that um what I yeah what that kind of really means to me is anyone can learn anything that anyone else is doing in this space I can't say that I could go and become a doctor because that's really fucking difficult (laughs) but if I wanted to become an expert at Active Directory I could go and learn that it's there the tools are available all the help that I need is there. 
it will just take a really long time. I really like your kind of take and attitude to the way you write your blog because, like you say, it can be so disheartening that if you've been spending like days and days on something and then you just watch a 10 minute video where it's all revealed and it's, it's all so perfect. And yeah, that's just not really the reality of doing a lot of this job why uh so it's good that you're giving given that perspective across you were mentioning neil lines blog um i stumble across that more than probably any other resource <laughs> like on the internet it comes up literally every other it's now just one of my go-tos to be fair uh but yeah just want to back that up as well that's helped me learn a lot of things um just on the kind of note of learning and the way you've described uh kind of step by step uh, been using the hacker playbook so, uh, yeah, yeah, Peter Kim. Right. And out of all the books I've came across, that's the one that really conceptualizes just doing the job, I guess. Like, and they kind of, well, at least, you know, it, it gives you each tool in as few words as possible, but enough to describe it. So, yeah, highly suggest that to anyone that's in that space as well. Uh, still learning. Yeah, I've, I've got one of those on my bookshelf. I've got three to pl- plow through during my quarantine. So, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and hopefully just be taking those and applying it to your lab Andy uh, hopefully I don't break it that's all right it's all snapshotted anyway so it'll be it'll be good I mean the, the lab is the, the eventual plan when I get a chance to sit down and properly segregate it because currently it sits um like I've got I've got three VLANs on my whole network and it sits on one of the VLANs that the rest of my media shit sits on so if you were to if you were to pop it you'd get access to like Plex and stuff but it's not a massive it's issue so the eventual like Plexi means poor oh, obviously it's not porn, you cunts. LB's um, archive, archive of OnlyFans that he's been slowly building up. His <laughs> <laughs> career doesn't matter. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna pack, pack this all in and become a porn star because you've all seen my interview with fucking Mister Mister Luke Turvey in that dodgy hotel room. If you haven't, go check it out. Um, but, no, that is um, something special. It is something special, and I am the special one. Uh, uh, but no, Andy, it, sorry, very quickly, just while we're on that, if anyone hasn't checked out Mr. Turvey on YouTube, he he does really short, to the point videos of how to use Responder or how to do this, how to do this, and it, they're brilliant. They're kind of 10, 15 minutes. Uh, really worth a watch if you've got some time. But have you noticed, I, I've, I've told Luke about this before, he shakes his head when he starts, like, hello, guys. Like, you're like... All right, look, just fucking can the fuck down. You're really excited about this. We know you're really excited, but just can the fuck down. He's in America. He's got to live up to the enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. That's true. People over we there. don't have that here. That's true. But... No, we're just like our our dull, dull dusset tones. <laughs> <does it? laughs> I'm just sorry, I can't do a Scottish accent. Really, don't never try. Kind of want to. No, they... give it a bash, but no, we're, we're not playing. We're that not game. playing that we're game. Not playing that game. Oh. <laughs> but no, the the point I was getting at, I don't know what I was about, what we're talking about. But essentially, the, the eventual plan is to seg. Well, no, no, we're talking about the home labs. Eventual is to segregate it from the rest of the network and have it as an open lab, open in the sense that uh, it can run remote workshops and give people VPN access into just that lab, and they'll be able to fuck about with things, and I'll I'll be able to stand things up. Um, for running, uh, like for example, new new and I's workshop that we're we're going to be running in the summer. Unfortunately, B says London's been postponed, uh, but we're going to still run our uh, teaching teaching defenders to attack uh, workshop, and the, the hope is to expose that uh, on a on a high port on a domain and put it put it behind some firewalls and things so that uh, people can hook hook into the lab and and follow follow along. Live. That'll be a lot easier than the absolute chaos which was SteelCon. 
uh, watching you guys set up your lab and was it Active Directory melted down or something twice beforehand? <laughs> or the domain it controller? Did, yeah. The domain controller melted down. That was partly the, down to the fact that the server only had 16 gigs of RAM. Uh-huh. And the, I think the, the ESXi with all the VMs running was using like 15.9. Uh, this this new lab setup has 64 gigs of RAM and a bunch of stuff. So it's, it's only using... I think we, we powered up all the VMs the other night, Phil, and it was like... Yeah, it was, we got 19 running. Yeah. Or it had a bit of a wobble. Just yeah. from that little tiny box the size of a Raspberry Pi? Is it the same thing? Uh, well, it's a bit it's a bit bigger than a Raspberry Pi. It's probably the same size as a Nexus 6 times 2. I mean, that's fucking nothing. Like, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. What a time to be alive. Um, just going back to blogging uh, quickly. So I guess one of the big advantages, and I'm, I suppose just with the, the route you've kind of taken, you kind of had the job before doing your OSCP and they took you through it. But it must be such an advantage as well, having explained online your process for one, your methodology for testing things, for be able to show that to future employers, also your ability to teach, which is such an added extra, like on top of that, like it, it seems so valuable a thing to do that and it's something and also you're reporting as well because you're gonna have to get used to that so like uh, reporting as you go yeah all together just sounds like such a good thing to do for you personally and for your career absolutely i've seen a lot of questions on twitter quite recently of people going oh, i've done this box or i've done this and i don't know if i should blog it or not and i always try and respond and go even if one person reads it and understands it in a way that they didn't understand someone else's blog it's been beneficial yeah. to two people. Yeah. You know, it's you and the person who's read it. It's 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 kind of a no-brainer. It takes a bit of time um, and you will develop your own style and things. But it, it seems like such a no-brainer just to kind of start early, get it writing. And if I ever leave PTP, there's no plans. Um, but I, it would be top line of my CV. Go and check this yep. out. See how I work. Yep. and see how I learn yeah, yeah 100% it just they paint such a picture of somebody that a CV is just never going to do and it's not something you can just pull out of nowhere as well like in, in a week you have an entire blog set I mean you could probably do a few but yeah you keep that up for a no, year I, like you, I've seen your Evernote Andy yeah, it's oh yeah it's, it's, my, my on-site notes I started five years ago and they've, they've built up but then my blog the same I started my blog in 2014 and it's gone through various domains but like it started to build up quite a big archive of things like if you go and google blind xxe now my blog is the first or second link because it's it's referenced so many times yeah I'm gonna google it's not it's not even gonna be the first page of google now somebody's gonna google it but oh, no, it's not Port there. Swigger win. But is it second I mean or? you're second yeah yeah so I said first or second so it wasn't too bad it's not bad and that's that's just because it's referenced a lot and because I found a way of explaining that, that is referenced in so many blog posts now. Like if, if you read about Blind XXE, the chances are my blog post will be referenced because not not because I'm lee as fuck, but just because I found a better way of explaining it and exploiting it. And it's referenced in reports, it's referenced in uh, internal wikis. The only reason I know this is because uh, Google Analytics is beautiful and you can see the, the reference points. And talking about that from a security perspective, um, just a heads up for anyone who does reference links on their internal uh, blogs, Google Analytics shows you the referrer. So if you're referring from an internal network, you can see the hosted name it's come from. So just a FYI there. I've got a lot of internal .locals and things where my blogs have received traffic from. So interesting to note. That's bad. It's pretty bad, yes. I did not know it did that. I will, I will speak to you off air about some things. 
Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Oh, my connection yeah, dropped probably... a lot, but there. Can you see me? That's okay. Yeah, we can hear you absolutely fine. We just thought you'd gone really quiet. I can't be arsed cutting that out. I thought you were bored, to be honest. (laughs) Maybe brain fried. Maybe. (laughs) Falling asleep, I don't know. No, no. Connection's bad here. I think that's one one reality a lot of people are going to have to start coming to terms with. If you're working from Uh, home. Gigabit or get the fuck out. that's it. I'm on not a bad connection, but I'm currently running on Wi-Fi. It's not that bad. But I've had previous houses where I would not be able to hold a VoIP call for more than five minutes. And having worked at uh, Vodafone in their second line broadband, I know that there's quite a lot of rural people that, yeah, they're just not going to be able to do it. (laughs) It's a bit of a shame. Yeah. I mean, I... I even even with a ridiculously fat pipe, um, my my ping's ridiculous. Like I, I think I get like twenty five mill, milliseconds of ping, and it's fucking awful. Um, you can have a gig up and a gig down, but the fact that the ping is awful is just really really shit. But I I can't even bear to imagine people that are on worse internet connections like a meg up and a meg yeah, down. There's no there's no chance you're doing yeah. anything interesting on that. You're not you're not streaming Netflix. You're not playing Twitch. You're not fucking playing games online. You might play Doom 64 online, possibly, but I don't, I don't know if there's online for that, but yeah. <laughs> Doom's amazing, just to just to tell everyone. You can come and watch me fail on Twitch, as Phil often does. <laughs> it is quite hilarious. You, you've you got a habit for just running away from any bad guy. I thought you were meant to shoot them. I mean, you, just, you, I mean, you, you are. I mean, if, if you read the... No, if you read the guides on Doom, it says the maps are designed to run away from the bad guys. So I'm actually playing the game properly. <laughs> uh, lies. Absolute lies. <laughs> so I was just thinking to myself, Andy, um, once again, yes. we've not listed, unless you have, and I know I haven't, the previous questions of guests we've had on before. Oh, frick. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm pretty good at this, uh, not doing things. Um, uh, are they not in Pwncast? Hold, hold, hold up, I'll just mute my mic for a second. So, yeah, so what are your next... St- <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go off on a tangent while Andy goes has a look for that. What are your next steps, Phil, then? Because you've now got your, obviously, your OSCP, you've got the job, you're happy where you are. So, yeah, where do you see the next year? So, I've got a couple of things in the pipeline. Um, one is to do my professional qualifications. So... I'm going down the crest route mm-hmm. at the moment, so I want to become Czech team leader, which is the exam that I did have booked, but has now been postponed due to this. Um, so hopefully by the end of this year, I'll become Czech team member, which will be quite cool. And I'm also lucky enough to be able to be dabbling in some in some other areas. So mostly a lot of pen testing is internal, internal infrastructure, external infrastructure on mm-hmm. web apps. But I'm getting to have a go at some social engineering, which is really fun. Is that with Ghosty, uh, Chris? It is. Yeah, with with Ghosty, he's taken me on a couple of couple of jobs. I, I'm not gonna um, lie. Like uh, when you posted those ones to begin with, just because he's somebody that I've followed um, quite quite closely for a lot of the kind of physical side of stuff. Um, just I, I remember there was one particular kind of thread on Twitter. Uh, where he was kind of live tweeting the entire experience. I think he might have done the same a little bit with the job you went on. He's he's done it a couple of times and then I did it for the job that I went on. Um, Yeah, it's such a different experience of nervousness, excitement, and just people are so friendly. They really want to help when they really shouldn't. 
Um, but our our way of ingress was less than athletic, let's say that. <laughs> they had they had speed gates at the door which we couldn't get past and we couldn't quite get anyone to let us through. But there was a barrier next to them on a stairwell. So we just kind of jumped the barrier. Yep. We were there was apparently CCTV that the client said they would send us. Luckily they didn't because I know that it was not a elegant leap. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> like a swan. Uh, <laughs> with a broken yeah, leg. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> that's, yeah. I'm a, yeah, as I say, like I was so jealous of seeing you do that because mm. I'm just getting like, that's where I want to one day be. Like, because it sounds well, it so was, much fun. It was yeah. fun. It was fun reading that report as well. I mean, obviously the report's internal, so we can't share it with yeah. the wider world, but it was fun reading and seeing the pictures of said handrail and other bits and pieces. It's uh, yeah, an interesting I'm assuming one. we can that share really that your blog, the was that you had two and on the internal blog uh we had two of your uh, articles kind of top uh, is that right phil yeah so recently um i've started doing some blogs for the pentas partners website and i had uh two articles which were on the home page which i'm quite proud of so one of them was a ctf which was hacking a little router so it was doing like hardware type hacking mm-hmm. um uh, with again I did it with Ghosty and we filmed it and we put it on YouTube which was a lot more work than we thought it would be but I think it was worthwhile we've had 17 people watch it so you know hopefully they've enjoyed it um, Ouija cast figures that is oh, amazing. that is Ouija cast although we're almost 2000 total listens which is pretty ridiculous that's really good, it was good. Yeah. yeah so we had that and then I've also been dabbling in Bluetooth stuff so going from, I didn't even have a Bluetooth dongle and it was just some sort of magic that happened over the air to understanding how it worked. So there's been a couple of CTFs, one which was made by, I think it was a guy called Engar, um, who created one which is on like a little STM32 board. Um, and that was, a, that was a really fun one that I did initially. And then one of my colleagues... Uh, had created his own uh, CTF, so he gave that to me to do as well. So I kind of did that and wrote that up. Was that Cyber Gibbons? Or it wasn't Cyber Gibbons. It was a guy called Tautology. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a really good, a really good CTF that I managed to write up. So just kind of cementing that knowledge by doing it again and knowing what I was looking for this time and understanding kind of the Bluetooth protocol a little bit more. But yeah, to go back to your original question, Dave, is the other thing I'm looking to do in the next year is hardware hacking. I've been invited to kind of learn that side of things. So a couple of the guys have invited me to shadow them on some jobs, learn some stuff, um, buy some equipment, kind of take it apart and see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So that should be that should be really good. I did submit a talk for B-Size London Rookie Track, which... I haven't heard back from, but now it's been postponed. I don't know when that'll be. But that is on hacking offline password managers. Ooh, that'd be interesting. So it's... So yes, we had three devices where you... It's like an old uh, 90s organiser type Uh thing, and you type your passwords into it, and it stores them. And we had some pretty interesting results from that. So I was going to... Hopefully, I'll get to do a rookie talk on that, which will be really exciting, because that'll be my first... 
first UK conference and first talk at a UK conference. That'd be a nice milestone. Is that, ring, yeah. is that the same talk that you gave at uh, PTP Con? It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for for viewers who maybe or listeners, I see viewers we're not we're not on stream. Uh, for listeners, it is a really interesting talk, and if you get a chance regarding whenever, um, oh fuck, my brain's gone. Uh, B London October. Yeah, B says London October. If you get a chance, definitely go along and listen to to Phil. I'm not 100 percent sure if they record a Ricky track if the Ricky track or not. Um, but if if, if if they don't, uh, you should totally get along and, and listen. Uh, I found the questions, which is which is a positive. Uh, so, if if there's anything else left to cover, or we can dive into the the questions. I think it's so, question time. Uh, if it's question time. Prime Minister's not questions because Prime Minister's a cunt. <laughs> um, <laughs> no politics on this show, uh, but we know where I stand on. I'm surprised Minister. you did that before uh, I did because I've yet <laughs> I've been like. <laughs> Drastically avoiding mentioning the Prime Minister at any point, but so well done. Yeah, I'm doing well thus far. No, um, every every week we've asked a guest, um, what what question they'd like to ask the next next guest on the show. And oh uh, wow, uh, so we've we've built up a question bank of what's meant to be eight questions, but I think I've only got six here because uh, we didn't note down last one, the last one last week or the one before, um, and actually didn't note them down in a notable location. So that's sorry. <laughs> So, yeah, sorry, Danny. Danny asked something really interesting. I can't actually remember what it was, but alas. Uh, so the first question here is actually a double-barbed question: is uh, what is the best thing and the worst thing that you learned last year? In Phil, for in you? Infosec or generally in life? Just, just in life. Just in life, the best thing and the worst thing. It can be infosec as well, but it, um, it's entirely open-ended from that perspective. Such a good question, that one. The, yeah, I think the worst thing was finding out quite how much it costs to run a really fancy fun car. <laughs> and actually, maybe the best thing was getting a really fancy fun car. It's really a two-sided coin, that one. Oh, definitely. Um, I love it. I got a, Just for listeners, I got a ridiculous Nissan 350Z oh. soft top. So I love... It's oh. really fun. Three litres. And it is great fun. Sunny day, put the top down, country roads, it's a dream. And then I have to pay for things, and it is much less yeah. of a dream. <laughs> so, yeah, I reckon two sides of a coin is learning that I'm not enough of a car man, but still love cars. It's fair enough, yeah. I mean, I, I know I know all too well how expensive cars are, and our previous guests are... Have, are, are a few, few of our previous guests have been car people, um, so... Yeah, I think we we started the last couple of ones with that, but alas. Um, other questions we've got here is uh, probably the most important one. Uh, what is your password, Phil? Uh, it is actually password, Phil, with a capital <laughs> P and then a second capital P. Oh, fucking hell, super secure. Yeah, right? Double secure. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so the third one here is, uh, what's your biggest regret in your career um, or I know you're starting out early, but what are things that you, you wish you've you've done or haven't thus far and hope to do in the future? It's like four questions in one, actually. That is a lot of questions. Uh, my I think my biggest regret so far, so in my life I've had three, this is now my third career, so I'm going to go back to my second career, and I think my biggest regret is staying in that for too long. So what was your second career, or is that so, too much of an OPSEC fail? No, that's right. My second career was I was I worked for civil engineers, civil engineering firms doing 
transport planning and modelling. So looking cool. at road networks, looking at capacity of junctions and roundabouts, and looking at if a road network can cope with like a housing estate being built or if it needs a new bypass, that kind of stuff. And it wasn't for me. The projects are long. Everything takes a long time. It's all slow and quite repetitive, I found. And I did it for quite a few years. I moved around a number of companies until one day when my wife said, do you think maybe you don't, it's not the company you don't like, it's the fact that you don't enjoy the job. I was a bit like, oh shit, I'd never actually thought of that. So (laughs) that was then what prompted me to move over and move into this space, which has done much better. But yeah, I think my biggest regret is staying in that for so long and not making that really obvious observation. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember what the other 17,000 <laughs> so, so, question. So, so the, the other ends of that is, um, I suppose, things you'd wish you've done uh, thus far and things that you haven't done. Uh, or Sorry, wish you things, wish, things you wish you've done and things you wish you haven't done. I suppose that falls back onto the, the, that point. Or there may be other things that you wish you'd it done. It does. Actually, wish I'd done. Um, in When I went to university all those years ago, I did, in my first year, we had to do a major and a minor. Um, I did a minor in IT and yep. I did my major in geography. And I am proudly a geography graduate, which I really kind of wish I was an IT graduate. I think that would have been much more useful now. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Well, exactly, yeah. And look at you now. The year of the blind. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just think how much quicker I could have done this. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Potentially. Not yeah. sure. Have you got any other ones, or will we uh, do the Twitter question? I know there's like four other questions from previous oh, episodes. I don't have the list. Yeah. Oh no, wait. There's only there's only two more. I think. Are no, they two one, questions or are they more. two questions with twelve <laughs> questions in them? Uh, so actually, there's one more in here, and then we'll get into the, the Twitter questions because I actually can't read, um, which is part of the problem. Uh, the, the kind of second last question is: uh, Where do you see yourself in ten years? I know in the current state of things, it might be dead, but that's not what we're. Doing. <laughs> So I'm not I'm not going to go for dead. I'm hopefully going to be alive. Uh, where do I see myself in 10 years? Yes. I, th- I think I'll probably get more comfortable working from home and be pants negative more often. Pants negative. The real <laughs> 100% pants negative. I think it might take me about seven years to get there, but I reckon I, I can do it. Fair enough. Just answering the door to the postman, just fucking... Free, yeah, it's a level of ballsiness that I'm not sure I'm at quite yet. <laughs> just, just for that, that what, what was that festival that Cyber Given Street out? The Testicle Festival. Oh yeah, Testicle Festival. It's been cancelled sadly due to oh, tragic Corona. Maybe <laughs> next year. Oh fuck! <laughs> That's balls. That is balls. Um, I, I, I'm not even going to bother asking the next question because I, I seem to lose them every time. I suppose that. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, the other question is that um, that Stu asked was define risk. Oh, he loves his risk. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. Define risk. I would define risk as a board game that takes longer than it should. And is based <laughs> more on luck than anything else. That's a unique answer. Fair I'm happy enough. with that. <laughs> so um, I'll do the, the uh, Twitter question or questions. I think there's at least yep. one really good one. Um, so uh, from at Rainsec, uh, Hamid, um, who is kind enough to always give us some good questions. Um, with uh, this epidemic... Emi- uh, let's start that one again. What? With this epidemic ha- happening, 
Uh, do you think getting a job in pen testing would now be harder to get? Whether it's now, few months, six months later, ETC, I was thinking how people are losing jobs from this and if the same applies to us looking to break into InfoSec. So, um, what's your thoughts? I, I think it will absolutely make it harder. Um, just before we do this, I'm no expert on coronavirus, on quarantines, or really on running None a business. Of us are, just to so, underline that. Just to qualify <laughs> that straight up. Um, but I, I really think it will make it much more difficult because nobody quite knows when it will end. Uh, no one quite knows when they can get back to normal. Mm. The great thing about InfoSec is a lot of stuff can be done remote, but a lot of things are done on site. There's a lot of on site work. There's a lot of teams which it might now probably isn't their top priorities. They're not booking in the work. I wouldn't be surprised if a few smaller firms who don't have kind of a decent buffer might go under. And I wouldn't be surprised if all the big companies have put kind of freezes on recruitment, yeah. on massive expenditure, on training, kind of all those budgets that are, I don't want to say optional, but can be reduced in this kind of circumstance. Um, I think it just means it'll be so much more difficult for anyone to break in. So keep working, keep doing it in your own time. You're at home, hopefully you've got, if you're unemployed, all right, you've got a lot more time, but that's not necessarily a good thing. But you, if you're working at home, maybe you've got more time. If you've got a second screen and you can put up YouTube videos on, you can learn something while you're doing your day job. That's good advice. All of those sorts of things. Keep plugging away. Keep going at it. Because when this passes, which I have no doubt it will at some point, people will then go back to what they needed. They will need new stuff. There will be more stuff. People will probably take on remote working and want all of their infrastructure retested because they panic put in new processes and procedures that they haven't had fully tested. So I think there'll be a spike of work after this. So keep doing what you can for now, I would say, with the aim that after this you'll get a job in the industry. Every day you learn something new is, you know, another skill learned that will make you that much more employable. So yeah, plug at it 100%. I know that's, I'm going to be taking good opportunities. I basically get an hour and a half each day now that I'm not traveling and getting ready for work. That's a lot of time, like, and I'm working from spend, spend that in bed. Well, I, I don't. I, I've got a routine. I get up, like, and yeah, now it's just nose in a book. Um, so uh, we got another question. See, I just got Disney Plus today, so any sort of <laughs> extra learning has gone out the window. But let's not worry yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, another question from uh, Netset Focus. Uh, so I think you've already read this one. Uh, would you rather have the ability to shoo bees out of your eyes? Or have a pair of shoes that never needed to be cleaned or repaired. So he does not know me at all, turns out. I have two pairs of shoes and I replace them with a very similar <laughs> pair of shoes on a six yearly basis. Oh, we were very so <laughs> shoe upkeep is not my biggest issue. Whereas bees do good for the environment. As long as I was thinking about this earlier today, and as long as they don't attempt to sting me as they come out, I would much first be able to shoot bees out of my eyes. If they sting my eyes as they come out, that would be horrendous. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's so really, it, it kind of depends on... There's, there's more questions that are raised by that, really, than get asked. But I think fundamentally, shooting bees out of my eyes would help the environment in a more meaningful way than me having to go shoe shopping once a week. It's fair enough. 
And I suppose that the final question is is from the main the main man, the API Jesus, as he's also known, uh, Vangelis, that says, "How do you feel that you are working with some of the best and some of the worst at the same time?" I think he's referring to PTP, but I'm not too sure. I assume he is, and I assume there's the word people or people person missing there. Yeah. Because um, when I first read it, I was like, oh, I do not know what this chap means, but. <laughs> We can apologise, it is a second language and he speaks it very well, so fair play to you. Um, I love it. I think the the people I work with are brilliant. They are the smartest and the most willing to teach and share and all of that, and they all have great qualities. But one of the best qualities that they all have is their ability to shitpost. <laughs> it, it is another level. It is phenomenal. Um, that, and you off, just kind that of, off topic COVID channel was ridiculous it should yeah, be off you, topic poo you just sit back and just watch the glory of something go from a genuine question just to anything, it could be literally anything and not I'd say probably more than average it ends up with someone talking about pooing from height Yes. I don't know why but that seems to be the end up result um, I, I, I wouldn't say that I work with anyone who's the worst. I mean, they are all the worst, <laughs> but only in like a really nice endearing way. So I'm, I'm feel super lucky and privileged. It sounds silly, but I'm really glad that I work where I do. I freaking love it. And everyone's really nice. Everyone's really friendly. Um, and I can't imagine working anywhere else and getting the same sort of community and like-minded people. So we're he all, is one of my faves, metal. but I will never tell him that. Yeah, I feel uh, <laughs> I feel very much the same about where I work. Right, so it's nice to yeah, it's nice to, nice to get that on a recording, especially since everybody that uh, comes on the podcast is pretty much from Pentest Partners. So uh, yeah, no, I'm just yeah. covering my back. It's, really. it's not everyone. We've had literally one other person from PTP. <laughs> Stu had left PTP at this point. Worked for a fucking still works for a cool bank and does stuff. So yeah. So uh, Phil. What is your question for the next guest? My question is, and this is my go-to question for anyone if I'm ever stuck. If if you could teleport, right, so you can personal teleport anywhere, would cities become a thing of the past? Mm. And what is your answer to it? My answer is yes, because there'd be no need to live near wherever you are going because you can teleport and that's instant. So I think everybody would move away. You you don't have a commute. You don't have a drive to the shops. You don't have a drive to see people. You can instantly get anywhere. I suppose there's, there's a counterpoint to that as well, and it's sort of topical. Um, as more and more companies become working remotely, do you think London will become less of a thing? Mm. Because the the main draw to uh, not not even maybe not just London maybe maybe following up your question to um, general cities if if uh, if remote working becomes more of a thing do you think city life will become less of a thing in the real world? I think it will. Yeah, I think it will go. Effect. What is teleworking if not virtual transportation? Teleportation. You you you're ninety percent there. You're virtually moving yourself to another destination. Yeah, that's such a fair point. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, we'll 
pass that on to future future <laughs> guests of Ponder. Sorry, sorry, future guests. Because right. they only spring this on you at the end, yeah. by the way, so you don't really have much time to think about it. Because we don't prepare <laughs> shit. <laughs> or we prepare everything and we're just really bad at doing it. Either or. Better column A, better column B. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's us up at about an hour and 20 minutes. So um, there's one or two people that have mentioned the longer podcast, so you kind of wish they were a bit shorter. I would say this is a nice, comfortable level to uh, to mm-hmm. kind of tail off. Is there anything... I'm sure there's 40% of this you can No, it's hosting. Like... <laughs> that, that means I have to edit further, and uh, it's ah, just true. easier to yep, just pop it online. Uh, have you got anything <laughs> that you want to plug uh, that you've got either uh, other than your talk that's now cancelled? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've got my talk that might happen in October if I get accepted. Um, I've got my blog, so blog.yeki.co.uk. Um, I also blog for the Pentest Partners website, so pentestpartners.co.uk. Um, but my Twitter is where most of my shitposting happens. So if you're bored, I currently have about, I don't know, 28 followers. So if I could get that to a rounder number, like 30, that would be great. Um, it's at yeki underscore one. Feel free to follow. If you're not a dick, I might follow you back. Why do you follow me then? I kind of like to keep you close just so I know what you're up it's to. It's probably for the Can't best. surprise me. <laughs> hey, Andy... But yeah, um, <laughs> that was such know. a long pause. <laughs> That's definitely sting. <laughs> yeah, no, just kind of thank you both for having me on. It's quite nice to just chat. No, it's thank you very much for coming on. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Andy, have you got anything that you're wanting to to plug at the end? Uh, not plug so much. I think the the one question we ask all of our guests at the end is, uh, what who who would you like or who would you like to see a guest on the podcast, Phil? Uh, actually, if you're doing it quite soon, I think someone who's involved in the cyber COVID volunteers, uh, which I think you know about, which if, if people don't know about it, it's a group of infosec professionals who are volunteering to try and help NHS and key working infosec infrastructure stay up. So trying to raise awareness of phishing of kind of threats that are around. Um, I think getting one of those people. So I think it's, um, Daniel Card and Lisa Forte, if you get one of those on, that'd be brilliant. That's a fucking great idea. Yep, we'll make that happen. Or Andy will make that happen. I'll see what I can do. No, sweet. Well. I think that's... Um, I've been really... It's been nice to see a wee community forming there. Uh, I think last I checked, it was 1,500 followers. Uh, and, and I'm assuming a lot of them will be people that will be helping. So, yeah, good luck to them. And uh, thank you very much for coming on WeGCast, Phil. Cool, no problem at all. Thank you all very much. Stay safe. Stay safe. Um, use protection, kids. Use a VPN. <laughs> use use a HTTPS. Use 2FA and Stay use away from and a signal. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find my stream's fucking excellent, so check my stream out. Spot on. <laughs> right. right. Bye. Stop. Bye. <laughs>